Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. What's up, podcast fans? Coming at you from the home studio here in Dallas, Texas, uh, the beginning of December. Really excited to put the finishing touches on what's been an awesome year in the diabetes world for me and meeting a lot of you guys face-to-face, which has been super awesome. I'm starting a series about founders with diabetes. As an entrepreneur myself, I'm super interested to hear these stories and meet the people behind some of the brands that we know really well. So I'm also going to include an ad with hopefully a discount code on most of them for you guys on each of the founder episodes. So on today's episode, I'm interviewing Dan Katsky, who's the COO of Ready Care Co., who make the Frio Insulin Cooling Case. Now, Dan is a T1D, and he and his wife, Lisa, co-founded Ready Care Co. and are the official distributors in the U.S. of the Frio Cooling Case. So if you enter code DDT at checkout at FrioCase.com, you'll get 10% off your order. The cases are super neat. I actually didn't know anything about them. I thought they were just ice packs, you know, where you like slide the ice pack in and it keeps it cool. But actually, they're water activated and can keep your insulin safe and cool for about 45 hours. The process takes just about 15 minutes. I have one. I tried it. It's really, really neat. I'm going to share some of it on my Instagram as well, so keep an eye out. Dan and Lisa are so cool. I was able to link them up with Eric Dowds and Annalisa Vandenberg from a few episodes ago, and now they're an official sponsor of Miles of Portraits, and Frio Cases will be helping Eric and Annalisa keep their insulin cool on their way across India as they bike across India in 2020. So check out freeocase.com and use code DDT for Diabetics Doing Things at the checkout. I'm a huge believer in supporting type one owned businesses and I'm grateful that Dan and Lisa feel that way as well. So now enjoy this awesome episode on a T1D founder with Dan Katsky. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. I'm here with Dan Katsky, my very special guest today. He's a COO um, of Frio USA. Uh, and uh, you guys are Ready Care Co. is, is your uh, the company name, I believe. But uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, well, we're happy to have you as well. And I know I already I told the listeners about your title, and we're going to talk a lot about Frio today. But you also are type, uh, type 1 diabetic. You're T1D. So like we always do on this show, why don't we start with uh, when you joined the type 1 diabetes family? Yeah, well, it was in the year of 1986, and uh, it was my wife and I just got married, and we decided to go off on an adventure. She's from New York, and I'm from uh, the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. We met in the Bay Area, but we decided that we were going to go live for a year and a half in New York. But before uh, we get the anchors of life, uh, home, job, children, we decided to do an adventure. So we were going to take six weeks to cross the country. So we started out on our trip, and I knew real quickly there was something wrong, namely because when you're uh, sleeping in a tent, 
you notice when you need to go out of the tent to relieve yourself about uh, I counted 28 times in 24 hours Um, and I lost about 65 pounds and had no idea what was going on frankly I started to think it was some sort of uh, um, deadly disease I just had no idea and then as fate had it we were driving in the middle of the country in Oklahoma we opened up a newspaper and sure enough on the last page it had that list of do you have these symptoms you may have diabetes uh, and I checked off absolutely everything on the boxes. So uh, we were halfway across the country in Oklahoma. Uh, and at that point, we checked in a hospital and my sugar was 800. I lost about 65 pounds by then. So I spent a few days in the hospital in Oklahoma. Uh, they taught me how to live with what I'm going to live with the rest of my life. And then we were off on our way and we finished our uh, adventure across the country and life with T1D began. Well, I, I love diagnosis stories that, that have an adventure component. I think that they always just make it <laughs> a little bit different, right? And I, I want to, yep. for those of us, you know, obviously this is podcast. We're in like the, the new media world. Uh, a newspaper with, di- with symptoms uh, of diabetes on it. Like, what are the odds? Was that Now, I just don't know, and I maybe, you know, forgive my ignorance for listeners out there. Is that was that a normal thing to just have sort of advertisements for symptoms of potential diseases out there, or was that just uh, guardian angel, just fate? What was that? First of all, you're right, boy. That was a 20th century statement, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, it I, it was not the usual thing, or if it was, I sure didn't notice it. And it and we were just it it just sort of was the guardian angel putting that right in front of me because. You know, I don't know if it's a guy thing or if it's just me, but I hate going to doctors. And, uh, you know, I already realized I lost 60 pounds. I already realized something was going on, but I still wasn't going to go to the doctor um, until that popped up. Then maybe I should maybe I should check. There might just be something wrong. So it wasn't the 65 pounds of weight loss or <laughs> the 28 times going to stepping out of the tent during 24 hours. It was the... Symptoms matching up with the ad. That was what it was that pushed you over the edge. I'm not proud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, if, we're, if we're being honest, uh, I think that the consumer behavior and the behavior of guys uh, as it relates to going to the doctor or going to the dentist, that you're just like all the rest of us. So uh, yeah, yeah. totally relatable. Uh, so, sort, of a, sort of a silver lining to it. So, y- you know, I guess the reason I didn't go uh, to the doctor until that really came up is the way I can liken it. I, I have horrible eyes, you know, just nearsighted. And, uh, as, as the, the eyes get worse every year, especially when you're a kid, you sort of don't notice that you're not seeing as well. And then suddenly when you get the new glasses, Oh my goodness, everything's so clear. I sort of wasn't realizing as I slowly was getting less energetic and not feeling well. But then when I got, when they put me on insulin, Oh my goodness, I felt so much better. I forgot how good a person can feel. So I really don't know how long this was going on. Um, but a funny thing then really is so, you know, we were crossing the country and our destination was New York. When we got to New York, I was feeling pretty good after being on insulin. Um, I realized I was down 60 pounds. And then, so I said to my wife, you know, something tie me in the mile because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm 60 pounds lighter. I'll never run a mile better than I do right now. And um, I uh, beat my, my time by about 25 seconds. I did a 519 mile, which is nothing spectacular, but was amazingly spectacular for me. 
Well, and you mentioned something um, as well that I think I relate to. And, and sometimes, you know, it's weird when I go to events, I always try to see if people had the same response because I was very similar to you. I, when I got insulin, uh, I was in the emergency room. They had told me that they thought I had type one diabetes. They gave me the saline bag and they put the insulin drip in there as well. And I just remember yep. like the minute I felt that saline and insulin hit my body, I just felt so much better. And I was like, yeah, whatever this was, this is what was wrong. And I was kind of ready to get up and move on at that point. I was like, all right, cool. We fixed yep. it. What's going on? What's next? Um, so what was that like for you, you know, as you, you know, started, you're in a new place, obviously, uh, you and your wife had just got married, uh, you're, you know, traveled across the country. Now you got this new disease. What was the, what were the early days like? Right. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. So I was actually relieved because like I said, I thought, I thought I was dying, you know, I just didn't know what it was. And maybe that's, maybe that's another reason I didn't want to go to the doctor because I didn't want to hear what I didn't want to hear. Um, so I was actually in a weird way, relieved. And, and, and but what's interesting is, you know, when I called my parents, there was like denial. So I didn't have the denial, but my parents had the denial. Um, another interesting thing is my wife and I, I mean, we just realized, you know, we need to go on with white with life. And it's just sort of the next challenge. And uh, it, it's always encouraging where it's the kind of thing of if you do this, this and this, you can help your own cause. If there's nothing you can do, you feel real helpless. But I clearly learned that, okay, I have a mission ahead. If I take care of myself, I can live a, a normal or at least a, a near normal life. And uh, my wife, uh, who, who you met, um, just she's just a saint. As a matter of fact, I remember early on uh, when we were in New York, we went to a diabetes event. We weren't working in the world of diabetes then, but we just simply went to an event. And this one guy heard that we just got married and he asked my wife, he said, he said, you know, now that he has diabetes, are, are, are you, do you regret that you married him? Are, are you going to stay with him? And that, and that set my wife and I so far aback because she never thought anything like that. And I guess because she's so wonderful, I never thought that she would think anything like that. Um, it's very strange that other people did. But to us, it was just, okay, life is now going to go on. Um, there's always challenges in life. This is one of them. We're simply going to rise to it. Well, and I think, you know, how, how much of that, you know, when we look at our lives with diabetes as, as you know, people with type 1, having that support system, uh, especially in those early days, yep. uh, I, I think sets you up with an entirely uh, different relationship. Like if you don't have that, you know, I think fear can creep in, misconceptions, comments from strangers where, you know, like that person asking you that maybe they don't even really know or asking your wife that they don't even really know what they're asking. Right. Uh, and you know, right. what the sort of ripple effects uh, of what that can do to a person. Um, and you know, I, I was very lucky to have a super supportive uh, parents and family and you know, you're with your wife, obviously like that, that confidence that you guys had in each other really, you know, never allowed that to never really creep into your mind. So uh, you know, your relationship with diabetes was strengthened by your relationship with your wife. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. You know, she's been uh, the support all along because just like all of us. So it's now, what, 33 years. And it, it's, you know, we I think we've done well with this. But of course, there's been the challenges and she's just been so wonderful about it. And she, if I'm not mistaken, is a certified diabetes educator. Now, when did when did that come into the equation? No, so so she's not a certified um, 
she's not a CDE. She is okay. a registered nurse. Okay, got it, got it. Got it. Uh, that came into the equation much, much, much later. Um, that's sort of a whole story by itself. So she was she was in school. She came to California um, and sort of uh, started studying, but sort of ran out of money before she completed the four years. So life went on with us. We had our three kids. And after our three kids were born, we decided, even though we have three small kids, uh, let's let's get her degree. And uh, the reason it ended up nursing is basically because my wife and I had a situation where we learned CPR. And the day that we drove away from uh, from getting the certification for CPR, long story short, uh, this kid stopped us on the street because he had asthma and he couldn't breathe. And we exercised the CPR and saved the kid's life that day. Wow. That changed. That changed. It's it's the weirdest story. Um, but that changed my, my wife's life in that she decided at that point to become a nurse. That, I, I mean, I feel like we could. What that, that story is incredible. Uh, <laughs> it gets it gets more strange. Um, I lived in Israel. And as it turns out, this is in San Francisco. It was a kid that spoke Hebrew to us straight away. It, it just was so strange. <laughs> wow. So just right place it, it just, at the right it, time. Out, out of this world. Uh, well, great. Well, uh, this is, I mean, this has been obviously like, I think there's so many things that we could dive into. I want to talk, you know, before we get into talking about Frio, I want to talk about the difference between, you know, your, of the last 33 years, right? So yeah. uh, treatment options, obviously very different. Um yeah, you know, technology that was available. How has your life changed with diabetes over the last 33 years? Uh, you know, and are there any big moments that you remember like, wow, this is this is going to be a game changer? Well, I guess a, a, a quick and easy measurement would be A1Cs in the high eights, and now it's in, you know, the high sixes or, or seven flats. So uh, that tells you the whole thing in a nutshell. And um, it is because of better technology and better support. So I... Uh, in 1986, it was at the point where um, it wasn't the urine sticks, which was sort of bad news because that that news was it was it wasn't bad news. It was old news. That sure. was news of what your blood sugar was three days earlier. So it, it already was where you put your blood on the test strip and then you compare it manually to the different colors that are on the um, that are on the pill case that are on the strip case. Uh, so and it took about. If I remember right, 45 seconds, you wait 45 seconds and then you compare it. So in the meantime, what happened, you know, in the years to come real quickly was uh, the machine that you could put it in and get a reading instead of 45 seconds. You know, it worked its way down to 30, 15 and then five, uh, the fast acting insulin. And oh, my goodness, you know, more recently, the CGM that that's made all the difference. And so so it's made a difference in my life. I feel better. A matter of fact. So let's say I'm 25 years into it or something before the CGM came around. I felt a decline. I just felt it. I, I didn't have horrible complications or anything, but I just said, oh, my goodness, if I continue at this rate. And then really with the CGM, I really felt things turned around. And I always thought it would be an interesting thing. You know, there's been um, the studies, what was it, 10, 15 years ago, that uh, no kidding, but with better control, complications come later. Um, I always thought now with CGMs and so on, there should be a study. If you have real good control, does it reverse some of the complications? And I think the answer would be yes. Totally agree. 
Yeah, yep. I, th- I think you know as we look at the, you know, and I have I have a lot of deep seated issues with the uh, with the term better outcomes because I think it's nebulous. But there's no doubt that you know CGM and the increases in available therapy, uh, whether it's technology or you know actual drugs. Um, have you know improved outcomes and improved the lives of people with diabetes uh this past weekend i was at an event where uh, there were i think three people who had had diabetes for longer than 60 years who came to one of my presentations um and then there were about five or six people who were recently diagnosed in the last year and i remember just thinking in that room these people are kind of sitting next to each other or you know within uh you know a relatively close distance to each other and i thought you know, at surface level, you can't tell the difference between these people. And wow. that's what gives me, I think, when I see people, people like that who have lived with uh, this disease 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years or more, uh, and they're still at the same event that I'm at only 15 years in. It just gives me hope for people who are diagnosed today who, uh, you know, they're the people who are, who are 50, 60 years in are saying, hey, well, I don't have to boil my needles anymore. Uh, and we're right. going to say in four, in 30, 40 years, oh, well, you don't have, I used to have to calibrate my CGM. And, and people are going to be like, what? Uh, so I think, you know, yep. it really gives me hope for people who are going to be diagnosed uh, now and, and in the future uh, with diabetes that they're going to be able to manage it a whole lot easier. Right, right. I mean, even with technology the way it is now, uh, we all of us, I mean, I think I'm living a pretty normal life. I do have highs, I do have lows, uh, but it, it helps so much in the day-to-day life, the way I feel every day. And, you know, hopefully I'll live a longer life because of it. That's uh, that's what I'm banking on as well. Yeah. So <laughs> we, got, we got things to do, right? We do. I think that's, uh, you know, I got stuff I want to accomplish before I get out of here. You know, I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot of ideas uh, and I want to be able to chase them. Well, you know, I think... I think you could have a career as a um, award show host. Oh well, thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> we we actually got to meet so, in person so, at the at the Myabetic Awards. Yes, and uh, uh, Rob hosted it, and I just have to tell you, I don't think uh, Bob Hope, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, or even Billy Crystal have anything on you. Oh well, thank you very much. I uh, that, that's good company. Yeah, you just crushed I, it. Thank you. Uh, and so much fun. Gosh, I'd do that every day if I could. That'd be so much fun. Um, that, that really was a great event. It was. It was so cool to kind of be out there and, and mingle with, uh, A, first of all, uh, a host is nothing without his audience, and it was a great crowd, uh, basically just friends, my friends and family that were there, and so much fun, uh, you know, before uh, the before and after the part, after the show and everyone getting the awards, I think just a really well uh, well done event by a really awesome team at Myabetic. They really put a lot of heart and soul into that event. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, Myabetic started their thing about the same time that we started ours. And uh, Lauren and Kira, we um, often sort of exchange notes just, you know, on business, like what to do. And, and so it's just so great to see how great they're doing and the great things that they are doing. Well, that's actually a great transition um, into the business side of things because, as as you said, you got a lot of stuff that you're trying to do. Um, yep. t- talk to me about uh, you know where Frio USA, uh, you know where that idea stemmed from. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company and you know what the you know obviously you know you guys have been in business for a few years. Uh, and have some pretty exciting stories, and I definitely want to dig into what you guys' work in Puerto Rico. But why don't you give us a little bit of sure. background about where the idea came from? 
Sure. Should I just quickly explain what the Frio is? Of course, yeah. Okay, so the Frio is an evaporative insulin cooling case that never needs ice packs or refrigeration. So uh, often when I explain or do a presentation on the Frio, I start with, in 1986, I walked out of the hospital in Oklahoma with a cooler because they told me I need to keep the insulin uh, below 86 degrees at all times. Uh, later, I got one of those uh, insulated ice packs, but, you know, they were still quite big and and I needed to refreeze them every few hours. Um, and then fast forward to the Frio, and I pull a little Frio out of my pocket, and um, it, it's so compact, and all you have to do is soak it in water for a few minutes. It will keep the medication cool for two to four days, and then all you need to do is re-soak it in water again. So instead of carrying a big thing that you need a freezer, that you need to freeze it for a few hours, then you only get a few hours, here you're carrying a little thing, and you need this water, you soak it a few minutes, you get days, and then uh, to, to reactivate, you know, you just do that again. So that's what the Frio is. So um, backing up of how I found the Frio. So first of all, let me explain the Frio um, was invented and manufactured in Wales, Wales, Great Britain. Uh, the, the way I found the Frio was, uh, I think it was... Um, we traveled um, overseas and traveling anyone who you know travels with type 1 diabetes it is a challenge and the biggest challenge uh, in the, the very hot climate that we were in was to keep the medication cool i always had to beg places to refreeze the ice pack then i had to go back to that place to get the ice pack and life just wasn't fun i just really if that's called uh, traveling for pleasure it, it was not a pleasure and i really started to think that i don't want to do that anymore well just then in the um in the um, diabetes forecast, the English people, the, 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 the people from Wales put a very small ad about the Frio, you know, explaining basically what I just explained. And I'm going, this sounds too good to be true, but I, I'm going to try it. So I tried it, and it really just was the answer to my prayers. So um, fast forward from, at, at that time, I was a CFO, a chief financial officer in a company, and my wife, um, who was a nurse by now, uh, just started an emergency preparedness business, just a little business out of our home. So when I saw the Frio, um, I suggested to her that she carry it. She carried it small time, and basically um, we grew the business, and then at a certain point, uh, we were offered to be the exclusive distributors for the United States. At that point, both of us did this, and, and we've been doing this now for a dozen years. Wow. That's uh, that's impressive, and and you know, to me, even I felt like I because I've seen you guys' uh, you know social media posts, and I've seen uh, people talking about the Frio, but I really didn't know exactly what it did. I didn't know how yeah. it worked. Um, it's pretty breakthrough technology. I think, like you said, from an emergency response or emergency preparedness, um, can really get you out of a jam, especially if you know during the summer when it's pretty hot. Yeah, so let me uh, so let me tell you my one experience, which really isn't that dramatic, but in my world, it's what. Um, so the Frio, the big deal about the Frio is um, I sort of mentioned for travel already. The even bigger deal is for emergency preparedness because what do you do um, when when the disaster happens? Any disaster, electricity always goes out. What do you do to you can't freeze an ice pack? What do you do? Um, so the Frio is really the answer to that. You know, you just need water and it's an evaporative cooler. So my scare was here in the San Francisco Bay Area in the 1989 uh, Loma Prieta earthquake. And 
during that time, uh, after the earthquake, power was out for, as it turns out, three to four days. But but it was out. It was October. And weirdly, in the San Francisco Bay Area, that's the warmest time of the year. So it was hot. There was no electricity. What I did in the first couple of days is I put my insulin in the freezer where, you know, the peas are still frozen, right? So it's sort of serving as an icebox. But I didn't know what I'd do as time goes on. Now, there's no dramatic ending to the story because after three, four days, the electricity came on and everything was fine. But I just remember that feeling. The best way to describe it is you feel like, you know, if there's not much oxygen in the room, you start getting that little bit of panic. Um, I started feeling that panic, like, what am I going to do if my insulin goes bad? And I don't ever want to have that feeling again. And, um, you know, I wish I had the Frio at that point. I'm certainly glad I do now. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I think as you look at that, I mean, how many stories that are similar must there be out there of people who, you know, narrowly avoided, you know, in some cases, what would be a catastrophe? Yeah. I mean, so the two biggest ones have to, in, in the United States have to be New Orleans, Katrina. Yep. And you may remember, um, or you may not. Well, you may remember being if type type one diabetic that, you know, how on CNN, like before there's a big story, they always have their dramatic uh, sort of like big music moment. Um, <laughs> right. And then they then they go to the then they go to the Katrina story. So the big the big scene that they always had there was the person on top of their roof with the water all around and didn't say SOS or help. It said diabetic. And the backstory on that is not that the person didn't have their insulin, but that their insulin went bad hmm. because it was hot, no electricity, time went on, yep. and it August became a huge in, August problem. August in Louisiana, hot. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember that one specifically. I think I'll, I'll probably have to Google it. I'm sure that it's a Google image that we can pull up and put in the show notes. But Yeah, yeah you know, I'll try to find that for you because a funny story, I, I, I now don't know where I put it, but that happened years before. You know, most probably I told that story many, many times, but the image was gone. The story was gone. But then there was like a 10-year retrospect or something, and I caught it. I got it literally from, oh, wow. from so, so I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. No, yeah, that'd be awesome. I think, and you know, then in that case as well, you know, that was early, early days of diabetes for me. Um, yep. And you know, now when you look at something, you know, whenever there's a natural disaster, I think you know, being in the, you know, the forefront of the diabetes online community, there, there's always a, um, you know, there, there's people raising awareness or trying to collect supplies or try to coordinate efforts for people on the ground because, yep. um, you know, not just people with diabetes, but, you know, medicine and logistics in those types of tragedies, uh, sort of active God events can be very difficult. Um, I know you guys. So, so the ultimate, of course, was Puerto Rico more recently. Because, because this think is of 2017, think, I believe, correct? Right, right. So two years ago. I mean, I think it was just the anniversary. Yeah, because it was during hurricane season two years ago. So think of that situation as far as being a type 1 diabetic. It's the ultimate nightmare to, as far as keeping the medication cool. So it's a tropical tropical area where it's it's warm all the time. And electricity went out, not for a few hours, not for a few days, but basically for most people for 11 months. 
11 and, and it months. was a huge problem. And you may remember, uh, once again, uh, it, watching the news. Uh, so uh, the mayor of Puerto Rico was well, the mayor of um, of um, the mayor of San Juan and uh, Senator Rubio were on TV a lot. And of all the problems that they listed, the first one that they listed was people keeping medication, people keeping insulin cool. Hmm. And oh my goodness. So so think of it from uh, Lisa, my wife, and my point of view. We're going, you know, you're put on this earth and 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 what and you know, rarely a moment arises. And oh my goodness, was that our moment that we better do something. We have the solution to the number one problem of this disaster, at least as you know, some people saw it. And um so so we absolutely realize that we have to do something. And so, so um, you know, in those moments, right? Like you you realize that there's this obviously a need, uh, and that yep. you guys can meet it. Um, but it, it does not come without challenges, right? It's not it's not a thing that you just decide. Okay, we're going to do it, and it's done. So walk me through, like, you know, immediately after you guys decide to do this. Uh, walk me through those first few hours, days, weeks. Right. So the first thing I did is I called, um, there was the coalition of the JDRF, ADA, Insulin for Life, uh, various groups. And, um, you know, I was saying, what can we do? And um, it, it's, that's actually a wonderful coalition. They did, they did so many things. But at the beginning, there wasn't much they could do um, as far as getting Frios out there. Um, but what happened very quickly when this was on the news, it, it, and we're wondering what we can do. In the meantime, our phone starts ringing because we realize that hey, you know, we this is our moment that we have to do something. But everybody that had a Frio, or hundreds of people, score at least scores of people that had Frios, called us and said, "You have the product that can solve this. What can we do to help?" So real quickly, money. Um, uh, people want to donate money, so um, we created, or or actually JDRF over here in the Bay Area, and um, uh, uh, Carpe Carpe Diem, what the name of the group? Uh, they they put together a thing where uh, people could send money. So they sent money to substitute to get Frios over to Puerto Rico. What we did in turn is we subsidized it you know, by putting the price very low, the cost very low. And together we raised all, we were able to get a bunch of Frios available for Puerto Rico, but there still was a challenge of how to get it out there. And then when it's out there, what to do, how to distribute it. So sure enough, out of all people, um, Jorge Posada, the Hall of Fame catcher from, excuse me, the all-star catcher from uh, the Yankees, he chartered a plane to get, insulin to get insulin to get diabetes supplies and to get the frios out to puerto rico and then in puerto rico the head of um the diabetes foundation out there basically set up a distribution network for it so bottom line we were able to get the frios out there this, this accounted for a few thousand frios and then sanofi rose to the occasion and sponsored fifteen thousand frios for Puerto Rico. So at the end of the day, uh, we sent 25,000 Frios out to Puerto Rico. And if you think about it, it's an island of 3 million people, assume 1% diabetic, 30,000 people. So basically, 
This took care of the entire T1D population as far as keeping their medication cool. That's a, that's incredible. That that is my you know um, most gratifying moment in this business that my wife and I are in. Because yeah, I mean, I remember like you said, some people were without power for eleven months. It's just like when the world, the news cycle had sort of moved on from from the hurricane. There were still people on the ground who needed. Uh, you know, day-to-day care. And, you know, the Frio was basically all they could have for from a cooling perspective. That's pretty impressive. That's awesome. Yep, yep, yep. It, it certainly made us feel good. And, and you know, it, it's good to be able to help. It's 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 hard to make a difference. And, and this one might have made a difference. So it was fun. It was good. That's good. I, I love that. Um, And, I mean, you know, for you, obviously, like in, in, in this business – you know, business in general, like you don't often get those kind of big peak emotional, like, Hey, we are really making a difference type moments. Yep. Um, you know, how do you get, you know, a- after that sort of, uh, how did you reset and say, you know what, we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to run this business and run this company. Uh, cause we know it, you know, the, the end game is, you know, people are going to get the help that they need or be able to go on the adventures they want to go on and kind of not have to worry. Yep. So, so sort of backing up on this, it, I realize how lucky I am because I'm working, um, you know, in the area that's such a big part of my life. And, uh, I, boy, I hate to sound corny here, but it really is true. Oh my goodness. You know, uh, someone gets a $25 thing from us and I know firsthand because of my own life that, uh, that we're changing their life. They don't have to deal with all of those you know, pain in the butt things to keep their medication cool. Um, that problem is simply solved. So, wow, I, 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 you know, I'm making a living, um, helping people. It's, it's always nice to have such a, you know, quick solution for something. So many things in life take so long to solve, but as far as solving that problem of running around with, with, uh, you know, keeping your medication cool and safe, um, I'm able to provide that to somebody for the rest of their life. And make a living at it, so that so I consider myself pretty fortunate. So let's and, let's talk about that for a second too, um, because I as a as a diabetic entrepreneur, uh, I have a just a soft spot for other diabetic entrepreneurs, <laughs> um, and you know we live in this very cool age where uh, you know being niche is kind of cool, uh, and you can open yourself up to these amazing communities and the you know the type one community, for example. Um, I know obviously that you guys didn't jump in feet first and this business kind of grew incrementally over the years. Um, as a person with diabetes and you were, as you were kind of striking out into this world, um, what, what was that like for you knowing that, you know, your business was going to be for people like you? So I always joke, you know, so my, my wife and I run this business and I always joke that, um, her credentials are that she has a medical certification. She's she's a registered nurse and uh, experienced in that world. My my qualifications are that I have a chronic disease. <laughs> huh. But uh, it, it really is the firsthand experience that gives me um, obviously an understanding, you know, of, of all things involved with this. I, I have to tell you, so we get calls, you know, from from people about the Frio. And oftentimes it's it's um, the mother whose child was just diagnosed, and oh my goodness, is she a wreck? You know, nervous, nervous about um, 
the life that she's going to, you know, have to help for many, many years and worried about that if her kid's going to be able to live a normal life or live a, 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 a you know, it's live life for its full years. And uh, I'm sometimes on the phone for 20, 30 minutes with the person just reassuring them, talking about my own experiences. Um, and it really makes a difference. And uh, I am nothing compared to Lisa. Lisa uh, her compassion and, uh, you know, her training as a nurse, uh, she she will spend that half hour on the phone and then do research and uh, uh, call the person back, helping them with uh, things so unrelated to the Frio, you know, obviously referring them to their doctor, but at the same time, giving them reassurance and giving them guidance. And uh, that's, that's, that's part of the satisfaction of the job. So sort of the Puerto Rico thing on a smaller scale happens every day. Yeah, because I mean, you know, and that's the interesting thing about, you know, a life with diabetes is, you know, you don't necessarily need a, you know, mass power outage hurricane type experience to have a crisis in a particular moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's true for a lot of people with chronic illnesses, but, you know, the it's a fine line between, you uh, you know, it being too hot and your, or your air conditioning go out and you're going out in your car or, you know, getting, getting lost on a hike and your insulin going bad. And then all of a sudden something that's pretty leisurely turns into something pretty drastic. Um, yep. Do you have oh any, my goodness. I realize any, when go I go, when I travel, just, um, I joke and call myself HM high maintenance because <laughs> there's so <laughs> many things involved in, you know, just making sure that no crises occur as you're out there. Well, and I think too, do you have any, do you have any stories that you can share from, you know, for potential customers where a Frio kind of got them out of a tough spot? Um, I know I just put you on the spot there. No, no, no. There are, there are many. I mean, there's uh, the situations where, where they're wondering, you know, if they could travel at all. And uh, they really just didn't know what to do. And here it's the day before they're traveling. And then they happen to see in, in a magazine or in a blog or something, the Frio. And then uh, basically, gain, from their point of view, the fact that they found the Frio means that they can go on this vacation or go on this mission or, or send their kid to Europe. I mean, this kind of thing has happened over and over and over. I'm trying to think of a more dramatic type thing. It, it's just not... Um, uh, at the tip of my tongue. Well, and, and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, like I said, just hundreds of little micro victories that allows people to have and live, a, live a, you know, more, uh, less high maintenance for lack of a better, just to poke fun at your travel, yep, yep. uh, than it would be, uh, later on. So, uh, for people who, you know, want more information on the Frio or, you know, some good examples of, you know, ways that they can use it, uh, yep. what's, what are some resources we can point them to? Well, the best is our site, friocase.com. So it has, there's a section about the Frio that just shows, you know, all of the testing and, uh, there's a video there showing how to use it. Uh, of course, all our different sizes of Frios are there. And, um, so it's really a good resource, just simply friocase, F-R-I-O case.com. And, uh, our, our phone number's on there. People can call us at any time. And we'll include a link uh, in the show notes uh, for sure to you know give everybody uh, easy access to get to the site. Um, 
I appreciate that. What, uh, what, you know, what are you hopeful for kind of as you go forward, uh, you know, with Frio or anything cool coming that you can kind of tease, uh, for the listeners? Well, so our, our hope is, you know, just for this to continue and, uh, get Frio's out to everybody. Uh, what's new. So when we're at a trade show or, I always say, you know, happily, we are the lowest tech product on this entire floor. So there's just such amazing technology. Um, our product is an evaporative cooler. Basically, Mother Nature's doing all the work. So in the world of a Frio itself, the technology isn't changing much. Um, but sure enough, we have uh, uh, different styles coming out next year, you know, sort of higher end, fashionable Frios. Um, <laughs> That hopefully will make the myabetic people proud. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so that's going to be new with the Frio as well. Well, that's exciting. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll keep me in the loop and I'll be able to uh, continue to update the listeners on uh, the goings on over at Frio. Um, I have to ask you, because uh, this is my sort of de, fa- uh, de facto, I, I got off of it for a while, but... Um, this is something that for really the first hundred episodes I asked almost every guest. Okay. Um, and it's really simple. And I mean, you're a guy that travels a lot. So uh, the context is really important. And it's if you're in an airport and you're at your gate and they're uh, about to take off and about to close the door to your gate and you've got to be on the flight, whatever's on the other end, you can't miss it. But you run into somebody who's either recently been diagnosed or is struggling with their life with diabetes. Uh, what's the one thing that you tell them uh, before you jump on the plane? Oh, I would absolutely assure them that I've been through this for 33 years, uh, and it's it's been okay for me, and it will be okay for them. Uh, pragmatically, I tell them to get a CGM because oh my God, has that made a difference? Oh, and I tell them to get a Frio too. <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, it's interesting, and and I obviously you know as we kind of wind out, but I but I think what you said about CGM is really interesting, and it's been a. Uh, it's been a game changer, obviously for me, just, just from a monitoring perspective. But I also think like early on now, the CGM is the first device that's recommended and that's changed over the last, I think maybe four years, maybe as CGMs have really uh, gotten dialed in and you know, just the difference that that's making for people early in their journey with diabetes is just astounding. I can't wait to look at the data years from now and see the difference that CGM is making uh, for people with diabetes. Right. I really want them to do that study where they, if, if for them to see if the, if complications reverse themselves, I think that would be really interesting because you couldn't really do that before. It was just a question of things are going to get worse. Try to slow it down. Right. But this is such a um, quantum leap uh, in treatment with A1Cs going down so much that I really think it makes a difference. Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to see that, you know, uh, symptoms like neuropathy and things going going way down um, over time, uh, like you yep. said, even reversing, which would be astounding. What I found so interesting with the CGM when I just got it is my analogy was it's like the Hubble telescope because uh, you can only see so far in space, but then when the Hubble telescope was out there, it could see, you know, galaxies beyond and so on. So it's sort of... Eh, you can only figure out so much with your own diabetes, how the how the pizza, how you react to the pizza and and this and that. Um, but when but when I got a CGM, it it just made everything so obvious. Um, I got such a clear vision beyond what I what I could see before, and it, it it's just helped so much. Well, I uh, 
have no doubt that CGM and uh, people like you who are investing in and, and in, uh, in the diabetes community and, and starting businesses and really finding ways to help uh, are going to continue to kind of add to that Hubble telescope and uh, add to that toolkit of uh, things that people with diabetes use to you know live a better life. Thank you. And you know what you and um, all of the, the people out there in social media and in the media are doing, uh, that wasn't around in 1986 either. And uh, it's really made a difference for me. And I know it's making a difference for so many people. Well, thank you. It's made a difference for me as well. Um, and, you know, I uh, not stopping anytime soon. So uh, All right. That I'm, sounds good. I'm glad we were able to meet. And thanks uh, so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Uh, and looking forward to see what you and the Frio team uh, are cooking up for 2020. Yep. I know our paths will uh, cross soon again. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, likewise. It's far, and I have a lot of really great stuff coming up in the future. Uh, so I'm going to do something that I haven't asked before. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, A, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast just so you get the notifications whenever we publish new episodes because if you've been listening for a while, you know I don't always publish them consistently. Sometimes I'll publish five in a week. Sometimes it'll be only a couple in a month, and you need to know when these episodes drop. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like the podcast, be sure to go to your preferred platform like iTunes and leave a review. I would love to boost my reviews, and I've never asked you guys to do that before. So I figured you don't ASK, you don't GET, I would love a review from you. So I want to hear from you there. Also, we are now available on Spotify. Turns out I was just submitting it to Spotify incorrectly, but I corrected that. So now we're on Spotify. So if that's your preferred listening platform, be sure to subscribe on there. Also, just want to let you know that in 2019, we have an awesome new program coming called Tools of Type 1s. It's going to be on this podcast, so you don't have to subscribe anywhere new, but it's going to be an entirely new form of programming with some of your favorite Type 1 personalities. So they're going to be two a week starting January 8th. Be sure to tune in, and I'm going to blast all the messaging I can all around. So be sure to listen to Tools of Type 1s launching January 8th, and thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast.